The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. We've got a great show for you today. We've got two guests, and they're very timely in their messaging. We've got Dan and Eric Hoffend. They are two brothers that have a book about how to corporations can retain, motivate, and find the best talent, and it's a very appropriate subject for right now. It's called Who Gets It? Dan Hoffend and Eric Hoffend, and we're going to talk about the challenges that corporations face when trying to do their best to retain employees, attract employees, reward employees, particularly in this time of COVID, coming back from COVID, where you still have a lot of remote workers, you have a lot of changes, people who changed careers, left their jobs, don't want to do what they were doing before. And then you have a lot of new people coming into the workforce that you might want to consider hiring. And the whole process has changed. And it's not going to go back to the way it was before. It's going to be very fluid, And I think ultimately we'll end up with a four-day work week and there'll be much more uh, integration of remote, regardless of what company you're with. I know they're cracking the whip at some of the big financial corporations in New York. Get back to work or, you know, go home. It's going to change, though, over time. We'll never go back to the way it was completely. But in the meantime, corporations have to be smart because the idea of loyalty between corporation and employee has pretty much been thrown out the window. And everybody knows that. So... You have to do what you can do if you're a company to attract and find and maintain and retain the best talent. And if you're an employee, you have to really ask yourself a lot of questions about who who you are, what you have to offer, and the type of company you want to work with, and what you need to do and can afford to do in terms of choosing a particular position in your chosen field or if you want to start something new. So lots of different issues to consider and it's all happening right now, so hopefully we can help with that. We've also got best-selling author Jean Martinet on the show. She's the author of the bestseller, The Art of Mingling. It's all about really how people socialize with each other, and you'd think it'd be so easy, yet in today's day and age, with so much texting and using apps and swiping, and everything has become digital, and a lot of people have trouble interfacing with each other in person one-on-one because just our way of living has changed. And then when you had the shutdown with COVID, it even exasperated that. And you had everybody on Zoom and the rules of communication on Zoom are different than how you talk to each other kind of face-to-face where it's more organic and people talk over each other, but it's not considered rude. It's just like an, an organic kind of conversation. But now with Zoom, everybody waits their turn. It's, it's, it's a little more rigid And everything's changed. So she's got a new book. It's called Mingling with the Enemy. And it's really about tips to help in any conversation, particularly in this time where you've got so much division. And you have, whether it was the election, we went like two years arguing about the election. 
kind of divided pretty much down the middle, and now you've got how to best handle the issues and the confusion about coming out of uh, COVID and not wanting to go back into it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion out there and a lot of cross wires on the information. And of course, we've got to follow the science and we've got to follow the statistics and we've got to consider who's saying what and what they have to gain from it or not. And we have to make sure we protect each other. So a lot of stuff to consider. And it seems like people are pretty locked in on one side of the fence or the other. And it just seems like that's life now. People see it from two different lenses. And we have to communicate with each other and we have to hang with each other and we have to deal with each other. So Gene's got a lot of great tips on how to do that. So Guys Guys Radio, very excited to have two very now guests on the show. See what we can do to help you out in your day to day. So why don't we uh, why don't we just get right to the interviews right now? It's Guys Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, we're at the interview portion of our show today, and I've got two very special guests. They've written a book called Who Gets It? How to Find, Motivate, and Retain Top Talent, Dan Hoffand and Eric Hoffand. And let me tell you a little bit about them. They're two brothers, and they put together this book to really help people in business because it is so hard to find and retain good talent these days. And then when you have the COVID situation and everything else, it just adds another layer of uncertainty and anxiety and unpredictable behavior. So let me tell you a little bit about these two fellows. Dan Hofend, 35-year career, including building, developing companies that extend beyond their comfort zones to excel in new adventures and expand revenue. He's used authenticity and emotional intelligence to attract and develop high-performing teams to achieve seemingly impossible goals. A strong purpose and resilience have become the drivers behind his success. His most recent organization was built from both organic growth and strategic acquisitions to become an international $500 million division dedicated to creating brand experiences that drive action for many top organizations of the world, such as McDonald's, Microsoft, Sanofi, Qualcomm, 3M, Disney, and Wyndham. So real go-getter, Dan. And his brother, Eric, founder, author, performance expert, 25-plus year career sales exec in business biz dev, focused around the trade show industry. I've been in many trade shows and stood and worked the booth, so I know, you know that. what it's all about, and I don't miss it. He has built and managed stellar sales teams, delivering exceptional sales results with revenues upwards of 400 million, his ability to teach, develop, empathize, and mentor helped him form meaningful connections, cultivate dedicated and loyal employees, and inspired countless people to reach their full potential. They put together this book based on their experiences in business and seeing all the crazy things that are happening these days, how to find, motivate, and retain top talent. Who gets it? Welcome, Dan and Eric Hofen to Guys Guys Radio. Thank, Thank you. you, Robert. So I'm so thrilled that you're here and congrats on the book, but let's start right at the beginning. So we'll get rolling here. The name of the book is Who Gets It? How to Find, Motivate, and Retain Top Talent. So what does Who Gets It mean? And what, what are you guys trying to accomplish by writing this book? Well, it's really about a, a book that helps create a lifestyle, a better lifestyle for people and the, and the companies they work for. You can get it as an individual and you can get it as a company. And having uh, a guideline to help you 
find, motivate, and retain that top talent is extremely important today, especially coming out of the pandemic we had. A lot of people are looking, should I jump? Should I stay? Uh, huge percentages are looking at their, their career now and saying, is this going to be right for me or not? And so how do you create a company culture that gets it, that understands how to move businesses forward? And how do you create those, see those talent and make sure that they're operating in a high performance level? And that's what we're looking for. And as a vision statement, I'd say we're trying to create a world where everyone gets it. And on page three of the book, it goes right into it. And it says, wouldn't it be great if you went to breakfast in the in the server, knew what you wanted, made it perfect just the way you like it, knew the score of the game last night, and you get to work, and your employees are there supporting your objectives, and they understand your vision, and you talk to your boss, and he, he or she has a career path outlined for you so you can see your future. That's everyone you touching all day long gets it. What a wonderful world it would be. Why do you guys think that companies have so much trouble finding motivating and retaining top talent, particularly in this economy today that's on a comeback mode. And there's so many people who are out of work or been downsized or whatever, or had changes because of the pandemic, whatever. How do the companies, why are they having these issues even more so now than ever? Well, part of it is, is a matchup of their core values, their culture, if you will, and then the reality of what their policies are. So I can have a core value that says we're dedicated to the customer, but if my policies work against that core value. It makes it very frustrating for the employee to work in that environment. And it happens all the time. Eric, you've got like a million suggestions. There's a million suggestions in one. And, and one is, one critical one is, listen to the frontline worker. The frontline worker, let's take a call center, for example. What are they challenged with? What are their issues? How do we solve those? Because they're touching the customer. Policies sometimes are created in the ivory tower where people aren't touching the customers based on revenue, typically, not actual experience or customer service. And as Dan mentioned, they fail to represent their core values when they do that. And it fails to, to have a good message with the employee and with the customer. So frontline workers and them determining policy and having feedback, I think is critically important. I was at a doctor's appointment uh, a couple of days ago and I couldn't find the place. I'm driving around, I got my GPS on the whole thing, but I could not find it. And I finally walked in the place after searching around, asking people, I was getting out of my car and finding out where it was. And the first thing I did, I walked in there and I said, geez, I had trouble finding this location. And the person at the desk was like, oh, everybody says that. <laughs> everybody says that. Uh, maybe we should do something about it. So if, if, if there's a question, there's a comment that just comes up over and over again. We don't like this particular uh, penalty charge. This is a, there's a surcharge on this, whatever it is. But yet you continue to operate in that manner, even though you know that the customer is rebounding against that. You continue to do it because it's just the way the policy is stated. And you don't have to do that. There are other ways of doing it. And coming out of the pandemic, so many people are disconnected from their employees. The remote workers, the remote working from home more than ever before, managers just aren't engaging and asking and showing empathy and trying to train and onboard new employees. It's, it's a huge challenge right now coming out of this pandemic. How do you guys identify companies that you want to work with? And what is your entry point into these companies? Because, you know, you have a lot of their service companies, their sales driven companies, and sometimes, uh, and if, if it's a public company, they're beholden to the shareholder. That, that could include great sales, but not treating your people that well. And we've seen that with a lot of mega corporations these days. So 
How do you identify your targeted prospects and how do you go into those companies? have to look at initially the core values. What do you stand for? What is your purpose? What are your objectives as an organization? And then what are your core values? List your core values out. Then you review how those core values match up to the policies that you create. If there's a, a negative experience by the public, we call that logic. So logic is the public and they're talking and discussing about your particular policies. Do they work or do they match correctly? If I have an employee that constantly gets hit with the same negative experience over and over again to a customer, eventually I'm going to leave. I could be the best, most talented person they've ever hired, but I cannot take an environment like that. So you have to find those companies that have an alignment to the, to the core values. Like uh, Eric, that uh, Trader Joe's is a great story. Trader Joe's was uh, one of our gets it companies in the book. And one of their core values was creating a neighborhood grocery experience. And we had a, a person, one of the many we interviewed along the process, been I mean, looking at gets at companies. And she was a regular at this particular Trader Joe's. She came into the to the uh, uh, grocery store, visibly upset, crying, upset, you know, and the and the person at the counter, the cashier said, Are you okay? What's the problem? Parent recently passed away, very emotional. The cashier gave her a bouquet of flowers. We're not suggesting that everyone give away free flowers all day long, but that particular employee is empowered by their organization, by their gets a company to take action when they see it fit to create that neighborhood grocery feeling. That person who got those flowers is never going anywhere else again. You know it for sure. So if you're a talented person, you want to work for a company that has that allows you the ability or the freedom to make things right, to create a special moment. And that's how you balance the, the gets it type personality with a gets it organization that understands how to do that. So and I think, is, the, oh, I'm sorry, the, the question was, you know, how do we find these customers? Robert? Yeah, and how do you get into the companies? And how do we get into the companies? A lot of turnover, uh, employee turnover is huge. So if there's a, a company that had a particular challenge with turnover, uh, onboarding is a huge challenge. Anyone that is having, uh, issues with HR uh, training is, is is critically important. Finding those companies that that have a lack in those areas, I think, is is are, are, are where we're targeting. Okay. Some people say, you know, HR they're kind of trained to say no and keep people out, and the you know the people who are on the front lines they know who they want to hire and how do they want to hire. How do you when you're working with a company? Do you find any type of necessary balancing act working with those two departments? I think. When it comes to HR, empathy is number one. Empathy is a huge um, feature within our book that we talk about and having that empathetic. Uh, we did a video recently where there was empathy versus sympathy. And in the video that we did, it's 45 seconds long. We showed me the in a, in a, in a hole, <laughs> Dan's up on top and he's saying, and I'm yelling, I need help to get out of this hole. Help me. And he's like, hey, at least it's not raining. I'm like, that sounds like sympathy. Hey, you know, I feel bad for you. That's sympathy. How about I come down there with this rope and help you get out of that hole? Because I've been where you are, and I'm going to show you an empathetic process to get you where you need to be. I think empathy is critically important in HR, and it needs to be a core value of HR uh, um, to, so that you can get personal with someone and really appreciate, walk in their moccasins, if you will, to get them where they need to be.
Do you find that some of these companies, they don't have a set of core values or a mission statement, or they just don't care? Or what, what is it and what can you do about that? Well, we, AT&T, we do. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> AT&T. Yeah, AT&T is a classic example. AT&T has a, you know, uh, the normal mission statement, the, more, the normal uh, objectives and their core values, et cetera, but they don't follow it. So you're, you're, you're creating um, an ideology that you don't really match to. So if you're, all companies are engaged in sales. There, there's so many companies, I haven't talked to one in a thousand years that, that doesn't want growth. Uh, so if, or, or perfection, if you will, but like Eric started with the, uh, the discussion about talking to your front line, AT&T is clearly not talking to the front line and because they're getting complaints consistently over and over again about specific policies, whether it's the, it's a, a commitment for their phone or if, it, or if it's a, a trade in value for the phone and they get there and there's, there's a trick behind it and it really isn't the trade-in value, it's really right. just if they decide to do it. And so it goes back and forth. And, and ultimately, you will create a negative experience and your sales will be devoured. So in a, in a sales-type organization, you're really looking for how do we create a value with our customers, or even if they're B2B or B2C, that will move our business forward. And if you're constantly antagonizing your customer, it's not going to work. And even large corporations, we see it over and over again. They just, somebody somewhere creates this policy. It's looking at the numbers. Hey, if we, if we create this deal, uh, this negativity, we're going to create, uh, we're going to get extra 30 bucks every time somebody gets a new phone. The reality of it is at some point in time, people say, stop, no, I'm not going to do it. Look at the airlines business. Look at the the surcharges. I mean, the the bag fees and the overhead. You know, my bags. I'm carrying my bag on, and I'm getting I'm getting billed from Frontier Airlines. Then you look at Southwest. They kind of just include it all most often. And you look at what they're trying to. I mean, make it simple for the customer. Make it easier. B gets it. If I looked at Southwest versus American Airlines, I'm going to lean. They're all hard. They're all. It's a difficult industry. But Southwest, to me, is it gets a company. American Airlines doesn't get it. Uh, Sono speakers. It's a high-end speaker. Um, you know, Dan and I are both big fans. They get it. They're not the cheapest brand. They are incredibly customer-focused. When you call them, you talk to a human being, and that sort of gets a company is making the revenues because I'll pay more. For that level of service, that level of engagement, that level of gets it. So, yeah, the bean counters with the right culture, um, you, you're going to make up the money on the other end. Okay, Guys, Guys Radio, my special guests are Dan and Eric Hofen. The name of the book is Who Gets It? How to Find, Motivate, and Retain Top Talent. Um, you know, it's interesting because some categories, you, talk, you mentioned AT&T, but if you look at a deal for AT&T and then you go to Verizon, you're going to basically get the same deal. There's other industry, industries like airlines where you will find, okay, maybe JetBlue or Southwest, whatever, they have some different amenities that you can get that make your experience a little bit better. So when you're prospecting for what your work, do you look at companies that, you, know, you mentioned AT&T, do you look for companies that have some elasticity in the way they can do their business? I think everybody can. Uh, it feels like if I go to AT&T, it's the same deal as Verizon, but then there's T-Mobile that has a different sort of philosophy on how they look at it. So there are differences. And in, in, in ultimately, are you following your competitor or are you leading? Uh, glance over your competitor? Sure. 
but follow your competitor. I don't care if they're bigger than you or smaller than you should, you should be leading the way. And if that takes hard work and hard adjustment to what your current stance is on certain areas, then so be it. But this is why in our book, we talk about the bell curve, the gets it bell curve. And this is a, you know, clearly a bell curve and it has five categories and it is, it doesn't get it, doesn't care, comfort zone, energized, and gets it. Those are the five categories a company can find themselves in, a person can find themselves in. You can find that yourself in a marriage. Say, geez, I'm in comfort zone in my marriage. We're just kind of clicking along, whatever. It's all good, but it's, it's not bad. It's not great. But don't you want to be energized? So what are the things that I can do in my personal life to energize myself to push me up the curve? Same thing with a company. There are ways to do that, to motivate the company, to drive things forward. But if you're American Airlines and you're making your employees miserable by uh, flight attendants are miserable, then they're going to be miserable to the passengers. And that's exactly what you get. Mm. Right. How do you, how do you use the bell curve? Cause I, thank you. That was going to be my next question. How do you deploy that? And do, do the companies have to do a self evaluation to say, okay, where are we on the bell curve? And then do employees need to be graded according to this bell curve? And do they have to do a self assessment? How does the whole bell curve thing work for you guys? Cause it's a key component of what you sell, right? Exactly. Yeah, the, the big differentiator is the fact that we don't say that you are at this particular point on the performance curve forever, for a year. You can move up and down this curve daily, weekly, annually, whatever it is. And as a manager, recognizing when my talent is slipping down the curve from energized zone, and energized is like when you start a new job. You are energized. You are ready to take on the world. You're one step away from truly getting it. With good onboarding, good recruiting, and, and good training, you can get up into the gets it zone. If you don't get, as a simple example, if you don't get that good onboarding, you're going to slip into comfort zone, and you're going to slip into doesn't care. And you're going to be sitting there going, why did I join this company? No one cares about me. No one. So there's lots of factors that can push people up and down this curve. We try to teach people to push them up the curve and watch for signs and signals that they're falling down and how to recruit and energize and jump them back up the curve. Currently, the normal HR is an annual review or maybe a biannual review, and it's number related. 2.5 is doesn't meet expectation. Three meets expectation. Four is greater. Right. If you give someone a 2.5 in an annual review, there's going to be a fight. Sorry, a fight. get your gloves up because there's going to be a fight. If you say to them, I feel like you're in doesn't care comfort zone, like you're in a comfort zone. You're just kind of going through. You're coming in on time and you're leaving on time. It's all good. And you're, but you're just doing your job that you've always been doing for the last several years. Do you want more? How can I energize you to get you up this curve? And what we do when we have an assessment, the first thing we do is we say, okay, put your employees on the bell curve. And the bell curve is a bell because you have high-end people, not very many, and not very many on the low end, a lot of people in the middle. So that's all cool. But what we found is most people, when they first do it, everybody's to the right side of the high performance. And then when we talk about it, then people start drifting down. Nah, he's not really an energized and doesn't care. And, and even some drift into don't get it. So it's managing those people and are they a doesn't care because they truly don't care and they're looking for another job or did they fall out of gets it where they a top performer and they just fell out, out of that top performance. Interesting. So what would be your best advice to companies out there in terms of how to move forward, particularly in these times, changing times and also for employees. 
it's changing the vernacular that we use. And we and we we had we were just shocked that no one has ever coined gets it. Everyone says it. Well, that guy gets it. That guy doesn't get it, or that girl gets it and doesn't get it, and so forth. But what does it mean? What are the what does those terms truly mean? And teaching that term terminology and those mindsets, I think is critically important so that manager and employee understand and begin to recognize when them when themselves fall down the curve and when they go up the curve, how does it make them feel and how did that happen? But you know, solid managers uh, are, are really critical in, in, in getting people up the Robert, I would guess that that you were probably looked at your own career and said, I know when I was in this zone, I know when I was this zone. Sure. Everybody falls into these categories. And sometimes it's a good thing. I fall into don't care. I just don't appreciate how my manager works with me, the company I work for, et cetera. I'm going to start looking. And you go to a new company and everything's great. And you get back to energize and you're back doing it or you're doing your own thing or you move out to San Diego, whatever it might be. You're doing things to motivate yourself and understanding what motivates you is really important. And then as a manager, understanding what motivates your team is super important and goes both ways. All right. Good stuff, guys. Well done. Who gets it? Dan and Eric Hofend. The name is a book. Again, who gets it? How to find, motivate and retain top talent. You're doing good work, guys. Tell everybody where they can find out more about you and get your book. You can go to our website, getsitguys.com. We on Instagram, gets it guys, LinkedIn, gets it guys. We'd love to see you. We'd love to talk to you. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Great job. Thank you, Robert. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, the interview portion of Guys Guys Radio, my favorite portion of the show, and I've got a special guest for you, a fellow New Yorker. Yes, even though I'm in San Diego, I'm still a New Yorker. It'll take me some time to be a Californian, I guess, but um, I love both coasts and everything in between in our country. Let me tell you a little bit about Jean Martinet. She's the author of nine books, including The Art of Mingling, which is her seminal book, which is fantastic. It's been published worldwide, sold more than 150,000 copies in the U.S. alone, She's been featured all over media, New York Times, Salon, Boston Globe, Chicago Tribune, Washington Post, as many, many, many other publications. She's shared her humor and mingling know-how on hundreds of TV and radio shows, including the Today Show, uh, NPR's Morning Edition, and she lives, writes, and mingles in New York City. So let's get ready to mingle with Jean Martinet. How you doing, Jean? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio. A lot, has, a lot has gone on since you wrote your book, The Art of Mingling. You've got a new one. It's called Mingling with the Enemy, A Social Survivor Gu- Survival Guide for the Divided Era. And I guess that's all about what's happened since our political chasm and polarities in the country. And also now we have COVID where people haven't been really connected to each other. So what was your inspiration for the book? Yeah, well, I mean, we started off, 90% of America always had minglephobia, what I term minglephobia. Um, and... But then eventually, for various reasons, we this divide started happening, this political divide. And so then we had, you know, partisan phobia where people are afraid to 
really engage with people they don't know because of the, every single conversation that you have can easily lead to disaster. And then now then the pandemic happened and now we have post-pandemic phobia, you know, where people don't feel like mingling because they've been inside their house for a year and or they have it's about the mask or the fear or whatever. So it's a triple whammy now. <laughs> so yeah. but the motivation for writing the new book really was because I started realizing that people had stopped being able to be civil to each other in a cocktail party situation or business parties or and also family gatherings um, where it didn't seem it seems as though we, we, we needed some instruction on how to not explode all the time. Mm -hmm. It seems like social media and uh, Zoom and all that stuff has played and then COVID has played a great role and kind of a blockage to mingling. So let's talk about them, the different components like uh, social media. Yeah, um, everybody's, uh, you know, the the warrior online, they can say nasty things and everybody gets trashed on social media. And you might say, put down your opinion on something and people come back real hard and way harder than they need to. What's your right. sense of that? I mean, <clears throat> I really do uh, social media or what I call anti-social media uh, to <laughs> me is the biggest culprit of um, uh, of all of this, because um, for one thing, um, I mean, besides also the 24-7 media and, the, and what they call the shock jocks, but they're really outrage jocks now. Outrage has become the drug of our choice, you know, so it's it somehow we've, we've become addicted to being out, outraged. But social media in particular has made, has exacerbated everything to such a degree because, first of all, uh, you're in a narcissistic bubble when you're on social media. So social media, the algorithms and so on are, are geared towards reflecting your own opinion back at you and then exaggerating it. So, you know, so you, you're not going to get objectivity on social media. You're just going to get more of what your fears are, your anger. And also, there's also the, um, the not vetting, you know, the fact that Joe's blog carries the same weight as the Wall Street Journal when you're on social media. If it's, you know, retweeted 20,000 times, it it's up there with the with the you know major fake, newspapers. Fake news, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's also the anonymity aspect of it, where people feel as though they can just say whatever because they're hiding at home in their underwear in their computer screens, <laughs> you know. And and the, then there's also the last part is the um, is the soundbite aspect of social media, where it's you're, it's geared towards skating on the surface of things, short, not not uh, in, investing in you know, deep thinking, you're basically doing sound bites or just skating on the surface. And all yeah. those things just really create, I mean, I always say, especially one should never have political discussions online. I say that um, trying to have a political de debate on social media is like trying to build a sandcastle in a hurricane. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you completely. And then COVID has put everybody kind of behind the screen. And so when now people are going out now, you've, you have to deal with all of those issues like mask, no mask, vaccinated, non-vaccinated. Uh, you know, what do you do? How do you handle all that? People, I, I, I interview relationship experts, dating coaches, and I'm like, is really, is this a good time to date? You know, because there's, <laughs> there's so many issues out there. So tell us about how COVID has affected mingling. Well, for one thing, um, you know, mingling, when I think about mingling, we're talking about uh, meeting or talking with strangers or people you don't know that well. That to me is part of, of how we expand our, our um, social selves. And because of COVID, people now, even now, now that they are seeing other people, they're only seeing people that are in their own, you know, their pod, basically. Everyone's kind of more still afraid of going out into 
a crowd and, and they probably should be. Um, so at the moment, you know, not being, you know, into in rooms full of, you know, 50 people dancing close together or whatever. So that's how it's affected. I just hope it's not long term. And eventually we will come through this pandemic. And I hope that people can get back to the idea that going into a room full of strangers and talking to people you don't know is, is a good thing. So I want to just touch on one last area, which I think has made a change, and that is Zoom. We're on Zoom right now. And what I have found is that uh, conversations, if you will, and communication on Zoom or Skype or whatever, is or FaceTime even, is very different because when you have four people together uh, standing around, people talk over each other. There's yes. an integration. And when you're on Zoom, that, that is immediately considered rude that you didn't let the other person finish. You didn't wait and have that pause. And like, who's going to speak next? And it's very, uh, to me, I find it very awkward. What's your thoughts on that? Yes, no, I, I totally. Like we I, just did. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> but it, it creates this not inorganic. It's not organic the way we, it's a, it's like a meeting. Every social thing on Zoom is more like a meeting than an actual conversation. And because you know, you don't want to actually interrupt somebody all the time, but when you're standing in a room full of people, that flow, that interaction where you, it's kind of more like almost singing together or dancing together, or, you know, when, when people are interacting and talking over each other. And yeah, that that's, I mean, the only good thing about Zoom is that unlike when you're on, just on, on, uh, you know, Twitter, at least you have a face to face, there is a, the face element. So it's not quite as anonymous, um, but it it's, made us all, um, it's made things very stilted. You've written a terrific book, Mingling with the Enemy, and it's so apropos for the time right now, a social survival for our divided era, Gene Martinet on Guys Guys Radio. And I've got so many topics here, but I want to get to your uh, pre-mingle. How do, you, how do you get back into the flow? Because I got a, notes, a lot of notes from you about pre-mingling, how to find the right person to talk to when you go to you know, cocktail parties and things like that are going to start opening up again where people are going to be face to face. Give us your kind of uh, walk us through how to approach these situations. Well, I mean, if you're talking about uh, leaving aside the fear of mingling with the enemy, um, when you enter a room full of strangers, um, you, there's a couple of things. First of all, remember that you're almost everyone in the room is just as nervous as you are at talking to strangers. So everyone has mingle phobia. That's number one. And then the other thing is to try to uh, if you're if you are a shy person or um, you're not, you know, you're nervous about you don't know where you are in the party, like who they are. Um, it's a good idea to try to first approach somebody who is not who is sort of standing alone or standing with one other person sort of looking around. So a, a person that looks approachable and doesn't look like you don't want to approach the hottest party like clique in the whole group, you know, immediately and try and break into that. So you go slowly and Basically, you practice your mingle on a wallflower. <laughs> and, um, and then there are various entrance maneuvers for people who really don't know how to do it that I outline in um, The Art of Mingling, which, for example, um, the honest approach, which sounds really simple, but you just walk up to somebody and you say, I'm so sorry, but I don't know a single person at this party. And that when you throw yourself on someone's mercy, it's it's a it's really, it's charms them. And usually they will introduce you to other people and it's a way of getting in. And there are other ones like the fade in approach. And I have other um, approach techniques outlined in that book. When people, and you do a ma magnificent job with the book. I read the book over the weekend and uh, there's a, a lot of tips there that I think are super helpful. So you get into a conversation and it seems like inevitably some hot topic 
some polarized topics going to come up, whether it's politics, COVID, world, geopolitical situation, economics, whatever. Uh, how do you approach that? Because, it, you know, there's one way you could just say nothing. And that's that's saying something by saying nothing. But right. there's other ways to kind of make it a dance. How do you do right. that, Gene? Well, first of all, I, I, if you're in a situation where you're not sure, you think maybe there's a political, you might get into a political argument. I have a technique I, that I call uh, how to test for a for a friend, foe, or fanatic. And that is, there's certain simple questions you can, you can ask like, did you read the New York Times today? If the person responds, I would never touch that rag, then you know that you are talking with somebody who I call a fanatic, meaning that they feel they're angry, they feel strongly. And it doesn't have to be somebody who's on the other side of, your, of the issues from you. I say that it's, it's, um, it's just as, as difficult sometimes to talk to a fanatic who believes what you believe than it is, you know, I'd rather talk to someone on the opposite side who's reasonable and can have a regular conversation with. Um, so there's that once you're in trouble, once you're in the hot water, um, I outline uh, lots of subject changing techniques and then also escape techniques. So you either can change the subject by, you know, I, sometimes the simplest things, if you can't think of any, I have compli more complicated subject changing techniques outlined in the book, like bridge building, uh, which has some steps involved, but sometimes you can just make a toast, you know, here's to a difference of opinion, you know, or here's to our hostess or here's to this wonderful smoked salmon, you know, and you just kind of go off to another thing. If it gets really bad, um, you can then employ one of the escape techniques that I outline also in the book. And one of, one of people's favorites is something that, um, that uh, is called the human sacrifice. It sounds... <laughs> It sounds really horrible, but it's done at every party. You can watch people do it. And that is to wait until someone else um, that you know walks by you or you've met and you bring them into the, into your, to the person you're talking to and you introduce them to the person you need to get away from. And there's, a, there's really like a five, second, five to ten second window when after you do that, you can just walk away quite easily. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great idea. Now, uh, you mentioned conversations from hell. And you've, you've covered a lot of that, but there's also the family gathering and everybody's had, you know, to deal with that. And it's a little bit different than if you're in a cocktail party, we can kind of maneuver around. What happens a lot of times in family gathering, you'll have one person uh, who has a, an opinion and they just, you know, if they say a couple of things, you can just kind of let it slip. And then after a while, it becomes so annoying. How do you deal with these situations? With yeah, the family, the family gathering, gathering it, it's funny because we all sort of know what we're getting into. Usually we know which family members believe what and we, we should be prepared. But I have uh, the, I, I do advise people not to do what most people think. If I have a lot of drinks, it'll be easier. And it's the opposite. So, you know, be careful, like not to drink too much before these family gatherings. If you're if you know you're going to be having the same old political argument you already have, always have. And the other thing is to try to erase what happened before. Try to enter every family gathering um, fresh so that you don't have that old argument in your head. Um, and then also um, asking family members for advice instead of their opinions is also a really good trick. So you start getting into a dangerous area and you're like, oh my God, we're gonna talk about that ex-president again. Um, and you just, instead you say, you know, I. Can you tell me I just got a new computer and I don't know how to, you know, or I just moved to a new place and do you know how to do this gardening or whatever? And you just try to keep it, you know, mm -hmm. there's no sense. You're not going to convince people who feel strongly one way or the other about politics. In, in general, it's not going to do any good to talk about it.
No, text, that's a great answer. Um, texting is another thing. It's another form of communication and there is some minglings and a lot of folks have been texting back and forth more than ever, partially due to COVID and uh, just a small group of friends. And sometimes it's a group texting thing and you have to really be careful about, you have to read carefully because there's a lot of subtext in texting that people sometimes take the wrong meaning out of a text and other right. times people will embed. So it's kind of a two-part question. One, how do you deal with texting? Well, let's, let's start with that. I want to make it easy for you. How do you deal with texting? Well, uh, first of all, with, I don't think there are enough emoticons uh, if, in texting because texting is sort of the worst form of communication for anything important because People are doing it quickly and they can't, you can't hear tone of voice or facial expression. They've, they've done studies uh, in, in universities about, um, about audio and how it, much uh, information you get from listening to a person's voice. It's even, even more than visual is audio. But with texting, it's, there's so many misunderstandings that happens all the time. Every day somebody will call me and say, my friend texted me this and I couldn't believe how rude she was. And, you know, my advice is, um, which probably is your second part of your question, but it's, you know, count to 10 hours. you know you just slow down and do not try to have a political argument or any important discussion by text you know it's interesting and the second part was kind of uh, part of that what you were talking about gene i'll give you an example i sent a friend a friend (laughs) i almost slipped and said his name a text (laughs) about the all-star game the baseball all-star game i said and his one his favorite player who i don't really like i said hey i think he should have made the team unfortunately he didn't and the text i get back is something about I can't believe they moved the all-star game to Denver and all these people in Georgia losing jobs and money and all of that stuff. And it was like, I, I just wrote back, you know, I guess voting's important. And uh, then I got the landslide on top of that, the avalanche <laughs> back at me. I'm like, how do you even deal with people when, you know, they, they lock, they lob, they, they add on that political, you know, uh, bomb, if you will, onto their texts. You know, there. Diversion is, you know, as old as the baby rattle. It's not a new thing. But I, I would, in that kind of kiss situation, I would number one, I would say, uh, you know, I don't talk about politics on days of the week that end in Y or something like that. <laughs> um, and then, but if it's a good friend and you, and you feel like they've gone off the beam and it's, you know, I would pick up the phone. That's the thing. Pick up the phone and say, hey, buddy. You know, I was just saying, blah, blah, blah. And you can, you can, you can easily uh, fix it on the phone and they can understand from your tone of voice that you didn't mean this and he didn't mean that. I quickly advise people to get onto the phone uh, if they find that their texts are getting testy. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I found actually with the same group of friends, we, we did a, I set up a Zoom and uh, because it was a lot of, this was around the time of election, there was a lot of back and forth. And we hmm. did a Zoom and we added one other person, the fourth person in there, and it was great. And everybody was all nice and everything, all the steam had, you know, subsided. And it's just a matter of there's a change in energy, I think, in the different uh, platforms that you communicate on. What are your thoughts on that, Gene? Definitely. I mean, that's why I said Zooming is Zoom is better than texting, uh, which is better than social media. So, yes, mm-hmm. there's a there's a definitely a hierarchy and face to face mingling face to face is better than anything. And that's the thing that unfortunately, uh, is seems to be losing popularity, uh, is face-to-face mingling. A lot of people say to me, you know, why should I go to a party and, um, and, you know, talk to people I don't know. Small talk is just, you know, worthless and boring. And it's just, that's completely wrong, in my opinion. I agree. And tell us why, though. Because, well, small talk, 
when you talk to some, it's like traveling. Um, people say, why do I need to leave my city and go see another country? Like, what do I care? I mean, it expands the mind. And when you, <laughs> when you talk to people, when you talk to people, you don't know, it is like traveling because you don't know you're, you're entering a new country. You don't know who this person is. And you can have a 10 minute conversation with an unexpected conversation with someone you don't know because you don't, you know, it's unexpected, you know, and, and you, that could stimulate your brain and expand your mind and make, put, set you off on a whole new level of interest or you never know. Yeah. Yes. You know, half the time it's boring and you think, you know, I don't really want to talk to this person, but it's worth it for the other half of the time when you either meet somebody that you can have a relationship with on one, some level or another, or just simply have a great time talking to someone you ordinarily wouldn't come in contact with. Yeah. It's called life, right? And we're humans yeah. and uh, we're all connected whether we want to admit it or not, or not, but people get so much into their own little box and that's hard to break them out of it. So I think you yeah. did a terrific job with the book. It's called Mingling with the Enemy, A Social Survival Guide for Our Divided Era. Gene Martinet, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. Gene, what are your best tips for people out there in dealing with the enemy and mingling with the enemy? Well, I would say that um, try to make, and try to, with some exceptions, most people are not gonna be your enemy they're only disagreeing with you on some levels. So try to find common ground. You know, there's definitely ways that, one time on jury duty, I met somebody I really liked and it wasn't until the voir dire when they started answering questions that I realized they were on the opposite side that I was, but I was really happy I talked to her before that. Anyway, so never assume that they disagree with you on everything. And try to, we, should, we all need to try to get our listening skills better. So that when you're listening, instead of immediately going into that thing in your head, oh my God, I can't believe they said that. This is what I need to tell them. This is what I need to tell them. You have to like really listen. And there, there's whole books written on how to listen. And you know, it's listening between the lines. It's trying to, trying to figure out who this person is, where they came from. Talk about experience, their experience rather than their ideas. You know, there's, there's definitely ways that we can just, because otherwise we're just gonna never talk to each other ever again. It's not good for our world. I know, that's great. And I think your, your writing of this book is uh, really helpful and you did a terrific job with it. I really enjoyed it. It's perfect for our time. Thank Jean you. Martinet, tell everybody where they can find out more about Eugene and get your book. Well, they can go to my website at jeanmartinet.com. Um, they can get my book or books uh, anywhere books are sold, um, pretty much. And uh, I'm on Twitter. I am uh, Miss Mingle, okay. as I am on Facebook as well. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll look for you there. Look for Gene Martinet, Mingling with the Enemy, special guest on Guys Guys Radio. Great job. Thank you, Gene. Thank you so much. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay. We had two sets of wonderful guests here on Guys Guys Radio with very timely interviews and very timely books and information that I think can help everybody as we kind of get back out there and get things heading in the right direction towards what was normal. I think we're going to have a new normal. It's not going to go back to the way it was ever, but the new normal could be a really good place if we listen to each other and work together. So what did we learn from Jean Martinet? Her book is Mingling with the Enemy, and it's a follow-up to her book, The Art of Mingling, which is really about how to talk to other people in different various social situations and in this book, it's all about the division that's out there, whether it's, uh, you know, arguing about the election and now it's arguing about uh, the pandemic and uh, what steps to take. And it's just uh, 
we're in a very divided country. It seems like every issue, it either goes down to uh, politics or just a division right down the middle. And I think it's important for us, and Gene shares this with us, that let's not get triggered. Let's listen. Let's keep it light. And uh, let's do our best as we tiptoe back to the quote-unquote new normal that we don't get triggered and angry because, hey, I'm sure you've experienced this. There's a lot of angry, confused people out there who are full of fear. So don't fall into that fear trap because the only thing that fear does is it begets more fear. From the Huffman brothers, Dan and Eric, I think there's some good lessons for companies to learn about how to value their employees and how to listen to them and how to set paths so they succeed while the company succeeds and makes a profit. And it certainly can be a win-win situation. And in today's working uh, place, we're going back to work. There's the remote aspect of it. It's hard to get good workers to begin with, and it's hard to keep them. There's very little loyalty out there these days coming from corporations and companies and also from employees. So it's it's very tough landscape out there. So I think the best path that Dan and Eric are teaching us is be a company that gets it, listen up, listen to your employees, see what you can do to help them on their path. And the happier employee that you have, the more money you're going to make as a company. So thank you, Dan and Eric, for that. We're here on Guys Guys Radio every Wednesday evening on KCAA in Southern California, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 AM. The show rebroadcasts on KCAA every Sunday at 6 p.m. My worldwide podcast and YouTube drop every Thursday. The YouTube is called, we call it Guys Guys TV, but you can just use my name to find it, Robert Manny, and the podcast is on over 25 platforms worldwide, so pretty much anywhere you consume your podcasts or YouTube, you can find Guys Guys Radio or Guys Guys TV. For the podcast, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart, Luminary, Player.fm, Backtracks, and many, many more, so there's no excuse for you not to listen or watch the show. I do my very best to bring you the best guests out there, to bring you new information, and, and help, hopefully helpful information that will help you improve your lives. And I ask you for one thing, a little bit of love in return, and that is if you could consider uh, subscribing to the YouTube channel or also and also or and or even to the podcast wherever you consume your content. That's all I ask. So thank you. Now, you can also catch me on my website, robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I dot com. I've got over 300 blog posts about subjects around life, love, the pursuit of happiness, relationships, dating, wellness, spirituality, career, uh, and more. And all it's all free. I don't, I don't charge for all of those articles, and there's a lot of them, and they've been in Huffington Post and other places. You can also download three free chapters of my book that's been called The Man's Successor to Sex in the City. It's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And it's about two dudes in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City on Madison Avenue, and it's about redemption, and it's about savvy women and flawed guys and friendship and sex and love, and it's really about something underneath because it's about humanity. So I, I think if you check out the reviews on Amazon and want to download or get a physical copy, I think you'll be pleased as so many people have been so far. So thank you for your support there. You can also catch me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, of course, and 
you know, we've got a lot of shows lined up for the fall. I'm booked right into November now with some really fantastic guests, and uh, I'm excited. I can't wait. So I want to thank all my guests, past, present, and future. I want to thank Noba for the theme music, Uninspired, and also all of you wonderful listeners out there, of course, who uh, have been with me. And as we keep growing and growing and growing, I'm there for you. And of course, one other person, Chris, my wonderful producer, who does such a great job of kind of herding the cats of my of my brand together and making it come out seamless. So thank you, Chris. So Guys Guys Radio, we're going to see you back here next week, I hope. And until then, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. There's never been a better time for men to be whoever they want to be. Yet it's never been less clear who men really are. Guys Guy Radio, starring author Robert Manny, is on KCAA every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Whether it's relationships, sex, wellness, or spirituality, join Robert as he interviews the experts about how men and women can be at their best. Guys Guy Radio, better men, better world.